Hey everyone, before we get started, just wanted to get this out of the way real quick. We do have to apologize because we had a couple of issues with the audio after we finished recording. You're going to notice a few hiccups and some audio crackles while you're listening to this episode. We promise if this is your first time listening that this is not the usual standard we have for our audio. We did everything we could to address it, but hopefully it's not too distracting and doesn't take away from what is otherwise we think a really great conversation about this movie and a couple other things we brought up during the show. So again, really sorry. We'll do our best to make sure this doesn't happen again and hope you enjoy our review and more of The Woman King. That's our review of The Woman King. Will, I had a really fun time talking about this movie with you. Um, oh, yeah, I did too. You okay, Will? You look a little confused. I guess so. <laughs> What's up? I mean, did, do you have a problem with the review we just had of The Woman King? Uh, well, I mean, maybe I missed something. I'm here uh, talking to you about a movie yeah, that we really, haven't talked about yet. We've been, this podcast is going at like three hours long at this point. But. Oh, boy. You don't think we talked enough about The Woman King? or? Alright, let's end this bit. Where are we going with this? I'm getting tired of this already. Are you saying that this is revisionist history, Will Ashton? That I'm putting forward? I... This is a new low for you, John. I'm Welcome say once that. again to Cinemaholic's Major Motion Podcast. Where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, film editor for TheYoungFolks.com and professional Will Ashton agitator. From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a news and entertainment writer at Collider. It's Will Ashton. Hello. You can find more episodes of our show, all of our episodes, on Cinemaholics.com. And we always love your emails. You want to say something to us, whatever it is, our email is cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. We do read them um, and we appreciate it. Whenever you have stuff. We do. I, I'd i like to see these emails. Where are these emails that we're getting? Oh, yeah, we got one in a while. Oh. We might Price have gotten email. one. Earth. Well, you know what? I'm, I, I'll am i double check. There might be a couple that I missed. That, that'd be sad. Oh. Um, I was out of time for a while. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I, do, I do check the email pretty often. So Do we get, like, screener requests or something? What do we get from the email? Yeah, we get stuff like that. We also get, like, you know quit your day job do this full time oh, okay yeah oh okay it, the opposite yeah. of what you expect yeah it's like right, yeah you guys aren't doing this enough <laughs> make it a full-time daily thing i've actually you know what i have been asked like that if uh cinema hogs would ever be daily uh because people like our reviews but you know that's a lot of work a yeah. daily podcast come on what would be a day like what would we do if we did daily just review multiple movies Probably. We'd probably review different movies throughout the week and then talk about the news and stuff. Wow. Because not enough people are doing that, talking about yeah. news. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we were doing multiple days a week, we'd probably have time to talk about Clerks 3, which you just watched. Yeah, I was actually uh, going to say, I know I was talking to Corey Woodruff, friend of the podcast, about potentially doing a bonus episode, but I can share my early thoughts. You haven't seen the film, if I'm not mistaken, right? You haven't even seen Clerks 2. No, I've only seen the first Clerks. I've seen most of the um, Jay and like Jay and Silent Bob stuff. Like you those Kevin Smith joints, like, like Chasing Amy and Jay sure. and Silent Bob Strike Back, and I've yeah. seen my fair share of Kevin Smith movies. But 
Clerks 2, I just, for whatever reason, I just never got to. I, hmm. I think Clerks 2, or Clerks 1, and then Clerks 2 were the first two I saw, okay. if I recall correctly. But yeah, the View of Scooverse is what you're referring to, mm-hmm. which uh, was uh, put on hold for a long time until Jay and Silent Bob reboot uh, brought it back. And then now this is supposedly the last installment of that uh, cinematic universe before cinematic universes were a thing. <laughs> That's right. Um, I mean, the first... Yeah. The first mm-hmm. movie I saw from that universe was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, then Chasing Amy, then Zack and Miri make a porno. And then I think well, I got to Clerks after that. Zack and Miri was not in that universe. That's a separate film. Well, was it? Was it? Because yeah. Muse was in it. So I thought that sure. uh, they counted that. Well, Jeff Anderson's also in it, but they're not. No, they're playing separate characters from, you know, I thought they Randall still counted it. and Jay. Okay. No, it doesn't count. No. Well, I'm you sorry goof. for offending you. No, Definitely. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you mentioned most of the movies that were in the, the View Skewers, Clerk, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, uh, James Silent Bob Strike. Well, Dogma's probably his best film. I'll, I'll say that on the Dang, mic. Dang, and I haven't seen it. Oh, man. Dogma and uh, Zach and Miri also hold a soft spot for it because they're both filmed, at least in part, in Pittsburgh. Of course. That's all you care about. Sure. That's why it's the best um, one. Dogma? No, I mean, there's. I think it's also just the best written one of those. But anyway, Clerks Three. <laughs> You're like, I think uh, it's the best written. I mean, the part where it's like this takes place in Pittsburgh. I mean, what a line of dialogue! Perfect. It doesn't take place in Pittsburgh. It takes place <laughs> in New Jersey, but it was filmed in part in uh, Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, Zach and Mary was, does take place in Pittsburgh, and it was shot in Pittsburgh, though. But it's not part of the View of Scoovers. Anyway, Clerks. So we got all that out of the way. <laughs> Clerks Three just came out. Uh, yeah, which I know people have been talking about a Clerks Three for. So long. I mean, before well, I was covering film. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say Kevin Smith has been talking about doing a Clerks 3 for I don't even know how long, probably since uh, Clerks 2. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and it's one of those movies that's been kind of hyped almost to death at this point. Like, I heard uh, great stuff. I heard I heard it's uh, worth checking out if you're a fan of the universe. Um, I have mixed feelings, I'll say that. I want to oh. save my kind of more in-depth thoughts we do end up doing the bonus review, but because Corey was a big fan of it, and as you mentioned, it's gotten better reviews than I think most recent Kevin Smith films. Hmm. Probably okay. better than everything, anything he's done since, I'll say, probably Red State, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I forgot about Red State. Which is also not in the view skewverse before you start saying that as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I didn't finish that movie. I, remember, uh, I thought it was okay. I got to the part where they get abducted, and then and a couple things happened, and I was just like, I have better things to do with mm. my time. Did you see Tusk? No, I haven't seen it. That's the one where Justin Long has like the podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the big podcast yeah. movies. Yeah. I actually have I think, kind of I think I avoided spot. that. I avoided that because of Red State. Okay. I think. I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen both films, obviously, but I, I think I might prefer Tusk to Red State just for the audacity. One day Tusk. there will be a good and biting movie satirizing podcast in some way. It needs to happen. Yeah, we need like an Ingrid Goes West of podcast movies or something. Yeah, it's been it's been lampooned pretty well in like some TV shows. Like I, I love so. it when people make fun of podcasts on TV shows, but it doesn't happen enough. I think because people are just like they're they're so afraid to offend. It's like you know because there's so many industry people who do podcasts. So okay. like I get the sense sometimes that like whenever they like go after like they they need to go after like the comedian podcast. I know we've done it before on this show, but 
I thought you were going to take like a right wing turn here. It's just like they're too afraid to make fun of the media. Yeah, cancel culture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I don't even. Oh, yeah, Clerks 3. Um, Clerks we keep 3. side, we keep side tanging. Um, yeah. Well, so you said you didn't want to talk about it until you talk about it with Corey, your best friend. Well, I don't want to talk about it in depth. I mean, I'll just share kind of like some general thoughts, which is that I feel like I had. Uh, a mixed reception to the film. I knew the reviews going in were more positive, but then there were also quite a few negative reviews that were talking about the things I was worried about, which is like the rehashing of a lot of the jokes, the kind of general laziness of Smith's uh, filmmaking in recent years, this kind of sense that he's catering more towards a fan than the fans and to elevate his art or really kind of speak to any truth. And I think there's two sides to that. I think there is a lot to this film that really kind of bugs me in the same way that Jay and Silent Bob reboot did. Like it is kind of cashing in on the nostalgia more than seeing uh, Kevin Smith, you know, really elevate himself as an artist at this point. Obviously we're also seeing a film that is kind of doing this weird sort of meta narrative where it's the characters in clerks making clerks. And obviously the characters are, um, mirroring what happened to Kevin Smith with his recent heart attack, I think, and that was 2018. So, I mean, there's stuff in there I find interesting and stuff in there that I find kind of tiresome. And I was mostly not with it until the end, which the end kind of won me around. Not enough for me to, like, say it's a good film, recommend it, but to make me appreciate, I think, the broad idea of what Kevin Smith wanted to do here. And I'll leave it at that until hopefully we have a bonus review, because I know Corey has a lot to say about it. I'm really interested to kind of pick his brain about what makes this film, in his view, one of the best Kevin Smith films. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my general thoughts on the film, and also, I guess, indirectly, my general thoughts on Kevin Smith's filmography. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, I was curious to see it. I'm I'm not mad I saw it, but I, I can't say I echo uh, the the film the people who are saying this is Kevin Smith's best film in years. Though I'm not going to say it's one of his worst either. Yeah, I mean I know a couple friends of the show saw it and really liked it. I'll say that I, I saw Matt Donato liked it a lot, and uh, Dan Merle liked it a lot. You know, so for me it's like I got to be in like the right mood to watch a Kevin Smith movie, honestly. And I don't even know what that mood is. It's like, high? no, I don't really watch movies high. I, I feel like I got to be like, I don't know. And like a very indie kind of like not got nothing going on. But lately I only have stuff going on. So I, I don't know. I'll have to investigate that for my own purposes. But yeah, I'll I don't know. It. I mean, Kevin Smith is a guy who I think generally speaking at this point has probably made more misses than hits. And I feel like a lot of his films, earlier films don't hold up great. Uh, but you know, I mean, he's, he's an undeniably fascinating person. He is, I you know, a working class filmmaker who kind of hit on the scene at the right place, at the right time, Sundance in the early nineties became a millionaire, you know, based off of the successful film that he made in his early twenties for like $25,000. And, you know, it's a, it's a remarkable story, the one that's mm -hmm. been told several times at this point. Um, but he but, just seems like a genuinely like good person. Like, or at least somebody tell, that, yeah. like I, mm -hmm. like I'd be friends with, you know, like I'd get a beer with that guy. I'd vote for him. And um, I mean, but, yeah. you know, uh, speaking of podcasts, you know, and undeniably, you know, 
yeah. good speaker. I mean, he, he, you know, I think he's earnest. He's very sentimental. I think he's someone who, you know, can speak from the heart in a way it doesn't yeah, feel false. He's authentic. Did you ever watch that show that he did, Spoilers, back in like 2012? Oh, we've talked about this, I think, often like several times. Have we so talked I, about it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we have because that, that show is so funny to me, not in yeah. an intentional way. Because that was during his whole thing where he was like, it was after Cop Out, where he yeah. was just like, screw the critics. The critics don't like me. They never liked me. It's like, well, that's not true. Like, they were championing you. The one guy said you were going to be the next Martin Square City. He's like, no, nah, the critics were never on my side. Uh, you know, I'm going to, the critics are never going to watch my movies again. And I'm going to make this new show where only the people, like general audiences, come and see the movies and they were going to hear their reviews. And it was like, well, I don't know, like 30 random people in a room. And he's like, yeah, let's hear what the general people think of The Dark Knight Rises. Hey, ma'am, what did you think of it? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I remember the Dark Knight Rises one was interesting because that was the one where the shooting had happened. So they didn't really talk about the movie. They talked about like this, like what happened kind of or like, the I guess, yeah, to it. I think the one I remember was the, the Jason, the Bourne legacy. That was the one okay. that I I was like, OK, yeah, what was, that, what was that, that one? The, mm-hmm. He was asking questions like, do you think Jeremy Renner is, you know, a, a good replacement for, you know, this character compared to Matt Damon. And the guy was just like, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's just so funny because, like, I think yeah. the idea there's something to it. Like, obviously, in our podcast, we've kind of tried to, like, incorporate, you know, like regular people, like people that don't always go to the movies as often as we do, just kind of like have a mix of like media perspectives and like kind of general audiences. I think that was the like conceit of the show at the very beginning right. when we had our third chair. Yeah. And we were yeah. never able to find somebody else who wanted to do it. Right. Yeah. And obviously, like, I mean, Maverick. As it I turns mean, out, well, yeah, Maverick was great, but like, it's hard to find somebody who goes from not watch, watching like three movies a year to watching a movie every single week with us. Yeah. It kind of defeats the <laughs> the idea mm-hmm. there inherently. But I mean, We're like, going to turn a random person into a film critic, basically, is was the conceit of the show. But I and mean, I think. I think there is something to be said about like the idea of incorporating, you know, someone who watched a lot of movies and have a conversation with someone who doesn't watch as much, but have a kind of, you know, uh, thoughtful intellectual conversation kind of here from multiple perspectives. But his show was like, yeah, it was just like they, the, the people they got from what I can remember, like weren't very like uh, thoughtful in their critiques. Like they weren't really like saying anything too in depth. They just had very kind of surface level opinions. I don't know if that was just like a shyness to the camera or like the people they got, but it just, it was a kind of, it just can like, be uh, done. There yeah. was a good version of this that happened like before spoilers. And that was movie mob. You remember movie mob? No movie mob was on the reels channel. It came out in like the late aughts and it was it's what launched um the career like the web career of the black nerd on youtube i don't know if you're familiar with his work but he's like a pretty prominent film critic now but he got his start on that show and the way movie mob worked was you could like create a video like they would send you money to watch a movie and you created a video like answering questions about the movie and the whole idea was like you weren't a film critic but you were trying to be entertaining and you had time to kind of prep for it and then they would like splice the like clips of like you reviewing the movie with other people's clips and like questions that the host would prompt and then every week people would get voted off so like it was a constantly curated group basically and so like the person who got the least amount of votes would like leave and they'd bring somebody else on so eventually like you had like a list of people who were always on the show black nerd was one of them he became like a staple of it and there were a few people on there like there were um 
the Brit twins. I remember them because they showed up on the movie Gamer. So like it started to leak into like Hollywood for a while too. But then Reels Channel went through a bunch of stuff. They like changed the host out. They tried, they put in like awkward like commercials for it. It just didn't make money basically. And it fizzled out completely. But it was sad because I actually thought Movie Mob was a really good like concept and it was executed pretty well. But, you know, and that was before it was like the last dying gasp of like cable, I guess, because like nobody had real channel, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't even I thought that was like a YouTube thing. Like, nope. I didn't even know what real channel was. I'll have to. You never watch Reels channel? Oh, no, yeah. I don't think so. I it didn't have cable. Even, it up. wasn't even cable. I think it was more like a, it was like a satellite kind of thing. So was that like, well, I definitely yeah, yeah. didn't have that. I'll have to uh <laughs> I'll have to like send you a couple of links that explain the whole real channel thing. It still exists today um wow. and i think it actually you know what it is on cable as well i'm seeing right here oh wow it's what a time a to be alive yeah um, it was cool yeah. they they had like a whole tv series on reels channel called what it takes and it was it would take you on like profiles of like different actors and like their start it, they were like mini documentaries and it'd be like hey here's how tom hanks became an actor and here's how like certain movies happened and it was a really cool like thing and uh, you know it was one of the things that like taught me a lot about like before i was like watching youtube all the time you know or like you know before it was like before i was in college and i learned a lot about the film industry through that channel so if anybody's ever listening to us and being like, you know, John really sounds like a corporate schmuck who just gets all his marching <laughs> orders from big Hollywood. That's why. Yeah. I like that you're covering every we're covering every demographic here. The <laughs> the underspoken right, the outspoken left. Everybody's getting their, their time in the sun right. this episode. Um yeah, so check your local listings for the real <laughs> channel, I guess. And uh spoilers with Kevin Smith, I think was on Hulu. I don't even know if it's on there anymore. No, I don't think so. But um yeah, we are sponsored by Reels Channel, I should disclose. <laughs> no, we're not. Um that would be funny if like this episode was like for whatever reason, like the programmed ad at the beginning was for Reels Channel. That'd be awkward. Um I doubt that though. Okay, let's talk about our featured review. Uh, first movie of the week. Although we we actually we're not going to talk about Pearl, so it's just going to be this one. Um, oh. Should we quickly say about Pearl though that uh, we're not covering it uh, this week, but got good notices, and I, I do want to see it. It's uh, you know got good reviews. It's the prequel to X, and I've heard from some people I trust. You know what? It's better than X, and I, I thought X was a, a solid time at the movies. But do you do you have an interest? Like, are you gonna like watch uh, Pearl at some point, or are you just kind of like, you know what, X marked the spot for me. I want to, yeah. I mean, at the very least, I might squeeze into October if I don't get a chance to check it out in the next week or so. Uh, it, be, it seems like a fun addition to my horror marathon coming up. So sure, I want to see it. It seems more up my alley than X. So I thought X was fine. I didn't uh, dislike that film. Yeah, I don't I think guess. I was. I thought it was solid. Yeah. Yeah. My only concern is that they both seem very Pache heavy and I'm kind of worried from the like Technicolor angle, like, or not actual Technicolor, but they're trying to mimic Technicolor that it might be more, uh, I guess, superficial, but I have faith in, um, Mia Goth as a actress and as a, uh, screenwriter. I believe this is her screenwriting debut as well. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think Ty West is showing so much promise as a filmmaker, uh, with this, with both these movies, and uh, Maxine, which is going to be coming out, uh, I think already there it's coming out next year. I want to say, but yeah, um, you mean I Ma Triple X Ayin? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Did you, have you already seen memes with like uh, "Don't let Ma drink alone"? Like any of that stuff mm, yet? 
Not happen. with that boom, but I mean, I remember the memes about Ma. Oh, who could? Um, I just looked it up, and uh, yeah, spoilers with Kevin Smith. You can still stream it on Hulu, and there actually were two seasons. It ran from yeah. 2012 to 2014. I thought it was a one one and done, but uh, what Me do I too. know? They got more episodes than the animated clerk show. <laughs> I, did you ever see the animated clerks? What? No, I heard it's actually good. Huh. That's it's uh, the guy that like took over for Veep um, was like the co-creator of the animated clerks show. Hmm. Uh, one of the screenwriters, of course, of the cat in the hat, as well as, uh, you know, a regular writer on Seinfeld and whatnot. He was like, I think kind of like the main creative head outside of Kevin Smith for that show. And apparently, though it only ran for six episodes, some people will claim it's the best thing Kevin Smith ever did. Interesting. Well, all right. Well, let's not gracefully transition into our review of the woman king <laughs> no way to say two very <laughs> two very similar films clerks well, three and the woman speaking king. of you know uh director visioned uh movies which that's not what you said uh yeah the woman king this is a historical epic action film uh it is directed by gina prince bythewood i know we you and i had a bit a bit of a you know like we, we had we had a, a bit of a debate when Prince Bythewood's last movie came out, that was the old guard. And, yeah. you know, I, I came out to bad for it. I was like, you know what? She, she didn't write it. Like she did love and basketball and a couple of other movies before this, but she, she did direct it. And I, I was in the mainstream on that one. You know, like most critics were giving it good notices. I mean, there weren't a lot of people who were just like old guard, you know, next generation, like great movie. Perfect. There wasn't, there wasn't hyperbolic praise. There were a lot of people like me who were saying, you know what, this is a pretty, like, especially compared to other Netflix original movies, especially in the action, you know, sort of a light sci-fi speculative genre. This is really good stuff. And I certainly enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was really strong. She released their own performance. And I thought Prince Bythe's directing was really promising here. It's definitely something very different from what we've seen from her before her first movie, of course, as I mentioned being love and basketball, uh, probably a more well-known film besides the old guard. Um, that's just because of like recency bias, but you, you weren't the biggest fan of old guard. You, you said, you know what? Uh, there's it's old for a reason. It's old news for me, at least. Yeah. I wasn't as crazy about it. I didn't hate it. Um, I, I feel like it had a great premise. I, I like the idea behind it. Sort of like this very, uh, kind of, uh, thoughtful look at like mortality and you know tackling the superhero genre from a more mature angle i thought charlie's Theron was good i thought kiki lane was good in it uh there's at least one action scene i remember like on a plane that was pretty fun especially like you said for a netflix film uh i just felt like the pacing of it was not particularly strong i didn't find it i i found the execution to be kind of lacking in that i think the ideas were strong i think as we'll discuss, uh, Gina Prince Bythewood is a very thoughtful filmmaker. I think she puts a lot of concentrated effort into making her characters and her worlds feel very fleshed out. I think she's very intricate and careful with that. But I just felt like uh, that film, and you're telling a story about characters who have lived thousands and thousands of years who are sort of almost indifferent to the ways of the world. And I get that that's hard to, I guess, transcribe in a very cinematic fashion, but I found it to be uh, sorely a kind of drab and uninviting film. Like it's kind of hard with those type of characters to really make something that really pops, but I just found it to be uh, not particularly engaging film unfortunately despite well, you know, having like, good hey, things going for it yeah i mean where i can almost meet you halfway there is that i think the weakest thing about the movie is the screenplay but therein lies the main difference between 
that directorial effort and this new one from a different screenwriter. So The Woman King uh, features screenwriter Dana Stevens. And I don't know how familiar you are with David Stevens' work, but uh, has some uncredited is uncredited for a movie that I think uh, not a lot of people are going to like when they when they hear, and that is The World Is Not Enough, uh, the Pierce Brosnan's uh, third James Bond film. Not his worst, but uh, certainly not his best. Uh, her most recent film was uh, Fatherhood, which uh, was that Kevin Hart movie that uh, came out straight, I think, straight to Netflix, right? I want to say. That was a Netflix one, I want to say. Uh, didn't see that. We didn't cover it on the show. Uh, she also did a movie called Safe Haven, which I remember seeing in the theater, and uh, I thought it was horrendous. Uh, but that that to me felt like, you know what? It's not really my kind of movie, you know? Uh, sure. Yeah. And uh, I guess we should clarify, this is not Dana Stevens, the writer, I believe, for Slate, which was kind of confusing for me. I had to, like, double-check to make sure that this, like, wasn't her screenwriting debut. Mm. But uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but not nevertheless. Okay. So yeah, the confusion didn't happen for me, but I could see why uh, it might might be a little confusing for some. Uh, and then she has another film coming out uh, with a screenwriter credit directed by Melanie Laurent, which I'm very much looking forward to, called The Nightingale. Uh, that's mm. the one yeah, that yeah. has uh, Elle Fanning and Dakota mm. Fanning. Dakota, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Fanning sisters are back, and they're not taking any prisoners. Yeah. They um, might be the prisoners, for all I know. Right. And uh, did we talk about who wrote the story for the film or one of the credited story writers? For The Nightingale or? No, no, no. For The Woman King. The Woman King. Uh, so I know the story also comes from Maria Bello. Is that what you're getting? Yeah. At? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought that was very, because that's the actress, right? You know, that's the, the actress who's yeah. been in uh, one, one of the greatest comic book adaptations of all time in history of violence. Yeah, violence. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah, absolutely love that movie. Um, you know, but she's been in some movies that I don't love. On top of that, but who cares? You know, sure. But you know, I mean, I feel like she hasn't been in much recently. Maybe it's because he's transitioning behind the camera. But yeah, well, she did some TV stuff that I I didn't see myself uh, because she was in that show uh, Goliath, right? If you say so, I guess that was a while ago, huh? Was that the one with Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, yeah. I heard that was good, but you know. And then uh, she, uh, she, I think she has another show that she's going to be in coming up soon. But uh, I think it's a Netflix show. I I don't remember what it is. I know Amazon has popular shows that people watch, uh, you know, like Marvelous Miss Maisel, which I watched the first season of. And there's like mm-hmm. Jack Ryan, which, you know, obviously has a, a voluminous number of people watching. But you could tell me every single Amazon Prime show doesn't exist. And I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just like, oh, yeah, you just made that up. And it sounds like something that might right. be true in an alternate universe. Yeah. You, it's like, you- yeah, there's like six seasons of. Uh, Goliath. It's like, yeah, sure, I guess. Maybe. Maybe. Um, There's a Jack Reacher show, if you say so. <laughs> I know. Uh, I didn't... I don't I don't remember too much about that other movie. Remember The Waterman from a couple years ago? She was in that too, wasn't she? Oh, the the one that David Oyelowo directed? Yeah, yeah. I think you covered it at TIFF, and uh, yeah, I that's I right. seen it like a while before that. I don't remember how. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought I did. Maybe I'm confusing you with something else. I think you're thinking of... Uh, are you thinking of the one that had Angelina Jolie in it? Uh, that the director of Brave did? That went yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Come Away or something like that. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm yeah. confusing it. Never mind. Yeah, I, th- I thought that's what you were... Yeah, kind of. <laughs> they both had to deal with like fairy tales. 
and like using them to kind of mass pain and all that stuff. Uh, neither were great films. I think Waterman was maybe a little bit better than Come Away, but neither I can really, you know, recommend in full. But was she in that? I don't. Was she like a ranger or something in that movie? She was. Uh, yeah, she was a sheriff. Goodwin, according to my notes okay. here. So. Yeah, I guess that would have been the last thing I've seen her in. Yeah, I just feel like I haven't seen her in much recently. So I was heartened when I saw that she was uh, a credited screenwriter in the film. I was like, good for yeah. her. I hope I hope more of the good things are coming her way. Agreed there. Uh, we're, we're Bellow fans over here. Now, this movie has quite a cast. Uh, the two heavy hitters. Or there are three heavy hitters, but the two most recognizable faces, or three most recognizable faces, um, for sure, are Viola Davis, who absolutely leads the film. Uh, we also have John Boyega and we have Lashana Lynch. Uh, terrific, uh, I think, trifecta there. But then we have this newcomer in this movie, uh, Tuso Mbedu. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Probably not. Uh, but she is a South African actress who for sure has quite a uh, an entrance in this movie. I, I think this is her first movie ever. I think she's done TV before this, uh, best known for like the Underground Railroad. But uh, yeah, in terms of film, she she is coming onto the scene in a big way with this movie because The Woman King doing pretty well at the box office, uh, definitely getting some high notices. It's a historical sort of, uh, I, I want to say it's like retelling kind of, uh, it's, just, it's, it's historical fiction, but you know, it's borrowing from, you know, certain things that happen very loosely. It's set in the 1820s. The, the film follows Viola Davis as the general of this female-led warrior group uh, known as the uh, Agoje. I think that's how they said it, right? And they're very strong warriors, but, you know, they have to, like, renounce, you know, they, they can't have families, they can't get married and have children. They're kind of like, you know, in medieval sort of, like, societies like if you were like a king's guard or something you had to like take note you had to renounce your titles like game of thrones has a whole thing where they they use that from history and stuff it's that kind of idea but it's in a uh an african tribal society that is kind of like in the the slave trade is still a thing but it of course is like starting to like phase out in the the western sort of uh empire I guess, because this is the heat of the British Empire, of course. And this, I, one thing that surprised me about this movie is that it, it is a very, like, um, it's a very standard sort of coming of age kind of thing, where we have, like, the new recruit played by Tuso Mbedu, who comes into this warrior society, kind of learns the ropes. She's a bit of a rebel, and she clashes, of course, with her superiors. There is a plot going on in the background, of course, of war that's kind of brewing. Um, my least favorite thing about this movie, by the way, is the opening exposition, where they have all the titles come up of, like, here's what's going on. These people are at war with these people. None of that was helpful. I was totally thrown off and confused. But the rest of the movie did a fine job explaining, like, what was going on. So I thought that that was pointless. Like, uh, handled I was very, wondering very poorly. I think I was wondering about that. You think that was like a test audience thing? It had to be right. Audiences were like, "I'm confused. Like, what's all of this about?" Yeah, and it's like they were like, "You got to write some things so people don't get confused." But yeah, I didn't really feel like it. It, it didn't say anything that wasn't already kind of apparent as the film right. went along. Right. Uh, there were a lot of times in this movie where I wasn't fully understanding all the politics of what was happening. I didn't fully understand all the dynamics between the different factions, why certain characters were doing this or saying this or gunning for this, or why were they able to be in this area. Uh, but at the same time, most of the, I just didn't really care that much because I think like all the politics and stuff in this movie, 
is just kind of like a, a plot device. It's just supposed to try to get you to the parts that are exciting. Um, ultimately, this is a bit of a, this is more of a character movie. Uh, characters you've seen before in other movies, but the execution, I think, is where this movie kind of thrives. It is really satisfying. It's just a satisfying story on every level, I think, in terms of like the kind of movies that sort of, it doesn't try or do anything all that innovative, except that like we just don't see a lot of movies with this kind of setting. Uh, we have seen movies with this kind of story, with these kinds of characters. But I think this movie has some surprises, too, on top of that. It's not totally formulaic. So I'm a fan of this movie. But what about you? Well, do you like the woman king? Or are you saying down with the monarchy? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly compared to the old guard, I'm coming out of this one a lot more favorable. Uh, yeah, as you were kind of alluding to, there is something kind of special about how this movie at once feels like an old fashioned sort of blockbuster, but obviously the type of film that, you know, probably wouldn't have gotten greenlit, unfortunately, and until like the last five years or so, probably based off the success of Black Panther just seems like the type of film that, you know, Thankfully, you know, there's still a lot of steps to go, but we are in a more sort of progressive state where we can see movies like this really come out and hopefully thrive. I mean, it seems like it's doing okay at the box office, not like amazing, but enough to like, you know, show promise and hopefully word of mouth can kind of uh, elevate it as it goes along as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm not maybe as high as you are on the film, but I certainly... I'm I'm digging it. I I like it. I, I think as I was saying before, I really enjoy how much thought and care was put into a blockbuster like this. Is a clearly a very thoughtful thematic film in a way that I feel like we we very rarely get on this scale and on this size. Like it seems like you know Blythewood or Prince Blythewood really put a lot of care into developing the the dynamics, the characters, just the stakes and the world, the the politics of it, as you mentioned, and also just like allowing the actresses to really thrive. As seen certainly obviously we know that uh Viola Davis in the lead is going to give a great performance, not only emotionally, but like physically. It's clear that she put a lot of work into, you know, making and selling the action scenes work really well. And I think that's certainly a credit to her commitment and talent. But um and I'm probably gonna butcher her name unfortunately. Uh but uh, Thizu Madu? I, I think it's, and again, I'm, I'm probably not getting this right either, but I think it's Tuso Medu. Oh, it's Tuso Medu, uh, okay. It's my best guess. Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, I, I don't know, if, I think she was in the Underground Railroad. Uh, yeah, I mentioned that was, earlier. Okay, yeah. I, which is another, I mean, I feel bad for <laughs> uh, um, joking about Amazon Prime because I had heard that's really good and I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, one, um, of, one of the best reviewed series of, I think, 2021, I want to say. Yeah, and I've heard it's great. And I think she's, if not the lead, one of the main leads in that show. And I, I've heard she was great in that. And I think there's undeniable star presence to her oh, yeah. in this film. Like there's, you know, like a strength, but there's also a clear vulnerability, not only from her age, but just like the way she can integrate this character with a sense of like emotional core, a, a sense of openness, but also a resistance to, uh, you know, kind of welcome people into her lives. That seems to be well, a common. Do you know thread. how old she is? Uh, like 19? No, she's 31. Oh, really? Oh, okay. She's yeah, older than yeah. me. She she looks very young for her age. That is for sure. But uh, she's not that young. No, she's well, like, well. about my age. Well, how about that? Good for her. <laughs> that should uh, help her out in the in the days and years ahead, hopefully. But um, <laughs> okay, I don't know. I mean, it will help her get you know roles. I mean, Hollywood does cater to younger characters, so absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, yeah, 
I don't, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but um, yeah, oh, I dug the film. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, one thing I did want to like bring up too with this movie is that because you kind of, I, I saw some people sort of saying like, "Oh, this is a response to Black Panther." But be clear that that's not how this movie came about. The movie was originally pitched in 2015. Um, I think it was uh, it was Maria Bella herself who originally pitched the idea to Viola Davis about it, and so. To what you were saying, though, it was the success of Black Panther that, you know, kind of got everybody to say, hey, we can do this. Like, we can well, make a I movie mean, yeah. like this. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what you were saying. And I, right. I think some people have gotten the false impression behind that of saying, like, oh, after Black Panther came out, this was sort of like a cash grab sort of thing. Like, oh, let's, you know, let's capitalize on the success of that movie, especially on the lead up to Wakanda Forever, which comes out later this year, uh, which I saw the trailer for for the first time, by the way. And uh, hype is real. Yeah. But yeah, so. All that to say, uh, I think that this was uh, definitely a movie that was long in the works, and uh, it does owe a debt to Black Panther, kind of paving the way for like, yeah, you know, like, you know, that movie is African futurism. Uh, This movie, of course, is going after something different, but it has very similar, you know, in terms of like superficial stuff in similarities, you know, the kind of like action movie vibe. It does have this sort of like, uh, you know, the the PG-13 action scenes, the sort of like attention to detail, the tribal life, but obviously like... Similar to Black Panther, it's it's had a little bit of, you know, some debate around its themes and, uh, you know, sort of how it's telling a, a story as it relates to real life. You know, I've, I've seen some criticisms and, you know, valid yeah, criticism. I was uh, going to, you know. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, it, it, obviously, I think they even said it's like a fairly loose uh, depiction. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like this is not this. This isn't the type of film where you uh, you watch it for historical accuracy, <laughs> which I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion that, like, yeah, like it, it is in some respects painting a false Im- false image, but also like you watch like a movie like Braveheart or something. I feel like people don't bring the Braveheart, this Last of Mohicans, or whatever. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, what I mean, like, I feel like Gladiator. this is kind of sure. Yeah, you know, it's like I mean, not that the uh, the criticism isn't warranted, but I feel like it, it can get kind of. Uh, harped on uh in in with this type of film in a way that i don't know if it's fully justified i don't think it's fully just i i've seen people go a little too far where they've like kind of tried to make it sound like the movie doesn't address the the role that this uh kingdom had in slavery at all but like the movie does point it out like the movie is kind of clear that like this was a kingdom that had a role in slavery but uh there was doubt of course and there was a conflict between like literally characters in this about that and so that to me was like you know i think you can still have a valid criticism of how they handle that but i don't think it's fair at all to say that the movie doesn't even like bring it up or like over glamorizes the the um that that whole like community basically yeah i was gonna say i mean i i feel like the movie and obviously i I can tell like from the marketing i guess if you focus on that more it is kind of focusing on the, like the, the action of violence as you expect so people would think it's downplayed but yeah there are several scenes in this movie where they talk about that you know maybe not like in full depth but like enough to where you, it's more than you would expect i think and if in anything, a way that, yeah because like there are a couple of scenes where she's like why would we have no slaves let's just like palm oil just palm yeah. oil like it, there was a little bit of that where it was like okay like mm-hmm. obviously that's not how this went down obviously that's not how discussions of slavery right economics were had <laughs> let's be real um, I guess where I kind of find myself maybe a little bit more negative or a little bit more critical is that while I do appreciate how much this movie is willing to just have let, let characters sit down and talk, I think that because kind of 
hinder the momentum in the like middle chapter of the film. Like I think the first hour or so is like really strong and like moves at a good clip. It's good about building the world. It's good about like letting us introduce ourselves into like the tribe, getting us to understand like what's going in from this new character's perspective. But then there's like a lot of scenes after that where it just kind of slows down and characters are just kind of talking, followed by another scene of characters talking. And I just, I, I imagine you're going to disagree with me on this. And that's fine. But I just feel like that kind of tampers with the momentum that starts the, I don't know. I just feel like it kind of, it started to drag in certain segments in the middle for me. I, I had different problems. That, that didn't bother me as much because I thought the dialogue was really crisp and you know, I was enjoying those scenes. I was enjoying this world as it was unfolding. I had, I had more issues with like the more soap operatic you know, elements of this, like some things that happen with some characters that we won't give away. And yeah. uh, just, you know, th- there were a couple of things like that. I was like, ah, you didn't really I mean- need that. Um, where uh, where did you see on like the romance that kind of blooms midway through? I, I felt that was one fan. of the weak. I was gonna say I felt like that was one of the weaker aspects of the film. Yeah, and I, I felt like those scenes I kind of checked out a little bit because it, it just it felt a very and like, a little, little perfunctory to me in those moments. In a yeah. way, I felt like the movie was subverting, as you said, kind of tropes and expectations throughout. Outside of you know having kind of a a general kind of narrative arc, like a, a hero's journey ish kind of thing. Sure, I felt like it, it was actually avoiding that for. Uh, for the better in a lot of respects until like that stuff where it just kind of felt like a little YA to me. <laughs> I did appreciate that. It, it, I think those moments don't overstay their welcome to what you're saying. I mean, it, it does go, there are other characters to like really click and connect with. And it, it wasn't a hard thing for me to get over. I, I think like I have a larger issue, like back to the slavery thing, like <laughs> I have a larger issue with slavery. Um, I, I guess like, I, I don't really like it when like, this isn't a, a huge criticism, but like, to me, I think that like there isn't enough recognition of like why slavery ended, and there seems to be this sort of like re revision of like why it stopped or like why people got rid of it. And a lot of it wasn't because like you know what, because it, it's the right thing to do. Like, no, people people aren't good. <laughs> like people will suck. Like it, the main reason that slavery ended for in a lot of places or like that people were against it was because they were afraid of slave revolts because they were afraid of like their lives and that they knew it was untenable. And like they were seeing what was happening in countries where the slaves were like revolting and killing their masters. And they didn't want that to happen to them that, you know, I'm obviously painting a broad stroke, but like, I just wish there was a little bit more honesty about that in media. And I think that like Hollywood isn't equipped to do to like actually, you know, address that at all. <laughs> like whenever you see like, characters being like, slavery is wrong because we're going to die if we don't stop. Like, you know, there was this sort of like self-interest wrapped up in it. That's a little true to history, but at the same time, I mean, it's Hollywood. Like, I don't, I don't have high expectations when it comes to the way they tell the stories, but I don't sure. know. I I, I agree with that, but I think it, the movie, to its credit, I, I think it is able to be a little bit more murky about that and have characters who aren't like just solely like villainous. Like, there's no like mustache twirling characters as much. Or well, as there's often. that one character. Well, I was gonna say, I, was gonna, I should have clarified. There's there's <laughs> one, but at least like when it comes to the colonialists, they they are willing to be a little bit more murky in a way. I feel like other movies don't like they paint like like you said, kind of a broader brush. And obviously, like it's a blockbuster, so it's not like it's going to yeah. be like it's not going to, um, you know, develop not- things too far. And anything, yeah. I feel like maybe it's trying to tackle too much, which I think is a credit to uh, Prince Blythewood just having so much thoughts, having so much, so many ideas, and wanting to explore so much with this world in a way that you know, in a two hour or one hundred thirty five minute film can be, you know, it is all 
it's ultimately a little restrained in that respect. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I agree with you broadly, but I, I want to give her credit in that I think she is thoughtful about that. And it isn't trying to make it broad to the point where it's just like, these are like obviously the deep villains outside of obviously, like you said, one or two primary antagonistic characters. Sure. Yeah. You know, let, let's focus though on, I think we're, Prince Brythwood's strengths really are um, in this movie and in Old Guard, at least in my opinion, is that I just think that she's really, I think, I think she's just good at connecting characters to action scenes and doing proper setup of like, here are the characters you're going to care about. Here are the characters you should be worried about. Maybe they're going to die. And if they do die beyond yeah. sort of like, I'm sad that they're dead, like kind of exploring more of like the reaction of the character, like the characters who lose them a little bit. I think more um, emotionally, you know, I mean, this say, is, uh, the emotional stakes, what you're kind of referring exactly. to. Exactly. Right, yeah. I think she, I think she's good. Like, I think she's good at working with her screenwriters to sort of like bring out that emotion, you know, um, through her actors, but also just like staging the film in a way where like when the action scenes happened, I genuinely was afraid for characters I was invested in, which is what I want. You know, I want to care about them enough so that, I'm genuinely nervous about like this person's fighting this person. Like, I don't know if they're going to make it. And so it's like stuff like that, that had me sort of feeling like, uh, you know, like I should be in my seat right now. And I, I don't get that from blockbusters very often. I didn't get that from Thor love and thunder or like, you know, Dr. Strange and then Dr. Strange multiverse of madness, like people were dying left and right. And I was a little bit like, Oh, you know, it was their time. <laughs> you know, like It was a little weird actually. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, that is certainly her strength as a as a budding, I guess, action director now with these two films. I guess for me, where I and I was curious to hear about your thoughts on the action itself. I think she's really good about um, establishing scale and like kind of showcasing mm-hmm. like you know like kind of the scope of what's happening. I think she still uh, has some trouble, in my opinion, and you might disagree. I think about hand to hand combat, like the action scenes, still felt a little choppy to me in a way. Like not that I they couldn't cut. like tell. Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's it's not that it's like hard to follow, but it does feel like I would have preferred to she kind of let things play out in a way that felt more choreographed as opposed to kind of like cut, 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 cutting. Like when the sword hit cut, you know, it just felt like I, I feel like maybe that's just her coming into it with experience. But I, I feel well, like I those some of that was the actors yeah. themselves just maybe. kind of, you know. And I, I didn't fault the movie that much for it. I thought with Lashana Lynch, they were able to really like her and Sheila Atim, who's in this as well. I, th- I thought that their action scenes were a little bit more pronounced, a little bit more like they flowed pretty well. Um, and two sort of Mbedu at the same like here and there. But I think Mbedu and Viola Davis, like to what you're saying, yeah, I, there was a little bit of like, you know, the, uh, you know, taken a three, you know, kind of uh, uh, um, at times. I guess not, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not that bad, but I mean, there was just a couple of times where just like, I just kind of wish this could breathe a little bit more in, in, this, in the shots. Like, it just kind of mm-hmm. felt like there was a little bit choppy in certain like sword fighting scenes in a way that, that, that felt uh, a little underwhelming to me as far as like watching an action blockbuster is concerned. But I, I am glad that you brought up Lashina Lynch because I do think she gives one of the best performances in the film. Certainly. Sorry, Lashana Lynch. Uh, and it's really, I mean, one of the more emotional ones. And My favorite um, character in this. Yeah, she, I, I think it's a good showcase for her. I mean, she was in uh, No Time to Die, obviously. Yeah. And that was, you know, like she was good in that too. But, you know, she's kind of like playing like fifth fiddle in that film. Like you Exactly. Know. Yeah, I, I felt like that movie didn't do her a lot of favors, especially for all the controversy that it drummed up for her. I guess. Opinion, no reason. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, there was going to be controversy, unfortunately, about that, no matter what. Yeah. But, um, but I, mean, I didn't mean, get I, enough of her and like, because she's in she's been in a couple Marvel things, but it's like she just I don't know. She never gets to do that much. Like she was in Captain right. Marvel. 
What did she do in Captain Marvel? I don't remember. Yeah, she was. A, I think she was in Doctor Strange too, as well. Oh, yeah, that's kind of quick, though, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, she's an actress who I feel like I've seen a number of things, and I feel like No Time to Die was the closest before this, so we've gotten as far as blockbusters are concerned mm-hmm. uh, to see her do something. But yeah, I just remember watching that film, and be like, oh, like it's exciting. Like she's the film. What's she gonna do? She gets like maybe one action scene, and the rest she's just like in boardrooms talking with like Ray Fiennes. And like that's kind of it in that movie, and <laughs> it's just unfortunate. Um, I mean, maybe I'm misremembering. It has been a little bit since I've seen that film, but yeah, I just I was I found it more refreshing to see her really get uh, you know a character she can kind of chew on and, exactly. and spend more more time and showcase you know her star power and screen presence in a in a very dynamic way. Yeah, I mean, a- another element to this movie that we haven't touched on much here is that. You know, this movie also is kind of not a reaction to, but, you know, the filmmakers have come out and said, you know, that they've based some of the subject matters, some of the the themes and the motifs of this movie around, you know, the Me Too movement. Uh, that was like when they were sort of developing the movie, you know, like I, I think they reference like specific things that happened with certain Supreme Court justices, for example. And uh, there's like a, a sequence in this movie uh, lightly depicting sexual assault, for example. And um, I thought I thought a lot of that stuff, you know. I don't. I, I certainly don't I have mean, a problem with it being part of the story, obviously. Uh, but, but I don't know. It felt to me like some of some of that stuff. I, I wanted maybe it's a little bit more um, exploration, I guess, and because there, there's something like I'd have to give certain things away. But like, there's an implication that comes out of that that the movie just never gets into. That I thought was like, you know, if you're gonna raise this, like if you're gonna go there, I don't know. It just it, it felt like a untapped. Potential. I don't even. That's not the right phrase. I mean, it, it felt a little bit more of like you're just kind of glossing over actually um, something kind of major in a way that I thought was a, a little unsatisfying personally. Um, I don't know if I'd agree. Only because I felt like there was a weight to it. Maybe that was uh, Viola Davis's performance, but like it, it didn't feel like it was undercut. And it's so crucial to the story that it didn't feel like it was something that was just like haphazardly thrown into it. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say haphazardly. I, I think it was just like, it felt like they cut something out, maybe. That I felt like it was missing something. Maybe that's all it is. And, and it's not even something that I hold against the movie. It's just something that I'm kind of like, I don't know. I, I just wish that it, it it was a little bit, I, I think it's such a delicate subject. It's such a touchy sure. thing. And oh, I, sure. I don't think it really landed very hard. But maybe that, um, you know, maybe that's just me. Maybe it did for a lot of other people, so... I don't know. I mean, could they have done more? Certainly, but I, I kind of applaud uh, Gina Price, uh, Prince, sorry, Prince Blyfoot for for having a story like that in a way that that was like integral to the story, and you know, I think it was sensitive to it. Like, it didn't feel exploitative to me. Uh, but also, I mean, it added to this character and it added, uh, you know, obviously clear sympathy, but also like an emotional integrity to the character in a way that I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I guess got to push back and disagree ultimately. I mean, I, I would ideally hope that that's what everybody gets away from the movie, because um, I, I totally get the danger of it that like it could have easily done way too much, you know, and it would have felt exploitative, perhaps. Um but yeah, I don't know. It was just a, a reaction I had to the film that I, I couldn't quite put my finger on, like why you know I had such a, a strong you know issue with it as I did. But again, it wasn't that big of an issue. I mean, it's certainly a tricky thing to include in like a film like this. Certainly, like a film that otherwise, you know, while tackling heavy things uh, at times, is you know. Uh, a brawl, sprawling like action, you know, swords and sandal kind of action movie in a yeah. way. 
Um, so there well, is I think a again, though, it, yeah. I think again, it ties back to like what I said before about like, I think it's just the soap opera angle of it that just kind of, I don't know, I just didn't like. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt like it was a bigger issue in the old guard, but I feel like there can be some trouble as far as like incorporating the drama and the action. Like, I, I just feel like the movie still with this one can be a little bit bogged down by like the dramatics of it in a way that the action fiends can seem a little uh, too far in between at times. Certainly I think in the middle, that was my issue as I was mentioning is that like, it's a lot, it's a lot of talking. <laughs> it's, it's like several moments of characters talking and I like the world building. I like the movie's willingness to have characters talk in such, sure. you know, careful and thoughtful and mature ways. But yeah, I just, I feel like there was, you know, several points of film where it just kind of like, all right. And it's another scene of characters talking. <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah, to what you're saying, I, I appreciated the, the world building as well. And like, you know, that there was like this subplot going on with like these princesses and like the King. And like, I felt like they were able to weave a lot of that stuff in pretty gracefully. Like I was able to really get a sense of this place uh, the way that I think the filmmakers intended, which oh, I totally agree. to the, the strong yeah. screenwriting here um so yeah again i i can't emphasize enough that i just think this is like a really satisfying blockbuster i mean it's better than most you know i can't say that it's like a cut above it's you know it's it's interesting because you know this premiered at tiff uh great reviews at tiff um most people seem to be really liking this uh you know critics and audiences but hey we'll find out when we play the Rotten tomatoes game for sure but one thing i have noticed is you know like it seems like the studio really wants to put this is sony they really want to push this i think for you know best picture or maybe some other academy awards you know technicals and things like that i don't know how strong of a chance it has at the academy awards but you know i don't think it's i don't think it's uncalled for i mean i think the movie certainly has a quality to it that is what the academy responds to i think but who's to say is it going to be this year's dune you think or it gets like nominated uh, for a bunch of things, but doesn't win <laughs> like much. I I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I'm not seeing that right now. It's it gonna doesn't have also... to worry about blonde, does it? <laughs> blonde uh, and mean, don't worry, darling. I, well, certainly not that one. I <laughs> there guess there have been Still, a lot of uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, I will sure. Uh, I don't. I mean, blonde certainly. I, I feel like it's in the same camp as whale. It just seems like everyone kind of has a different opinion on that film. Uh, but uh, and weirdly, Clerks too. <laughs> um, Clerks but, three. <laughs> sorry, Clerks three. Yeah, and Clerks two. I guess to some respect. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what the award chances are. I haven't really thought about that too much. But I mean, like you were kind of alluding to earlier. I mean, it's going to have to compete with the uh, Black Panther two and Avatar: The Way of Water two action blockbusters that do supposedly have award chances considering that those their predecessors were also nominated for best picture um so i don't know i mean those both all three of these movies are i guess in contention along with all the other movies that are coming out this year uh in the fall season so you know i guess we'll see I, i'm not feeling like it's gonna happen but it's not impossibilities to be sure all right well that is the woman king uh it's a little over two hours and I, I certainly didn't feel it. You know, 135 minutes. To me, it felt like a more like like right at two hours. So it didn't overstay its welcome for me, at least. And uh, like I said before, it's doing pretty well. It's made $19 million at the box office so far. Uh, really strong opening for a movie like this, which they needed because this is a $50 million budget. Uh, I think that, that if this does have like awards on its mind, it might be able to kind of have like a couple of Oscar boosts throughout the, the next several months. We'll have to wait and see, though, if that is actually going to be the case. Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. So, Will Ashton, I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score right now for The Woman King. Uh, did you say that you got spoiled on this, though, already? 
or was uh, it the well, cinema score? I did get spoiled on the cinema score. I got an A plus. Okay. Yeah, yeah, only... I got spoiled on it too. I saw it uh, days ago. Yeah, I was gonna say it's. Um, I don't know if it's the only blockbuster, but I I heard it was the only other film from 2022 to get uh, an A plus score besides uh, Top Gun Maverick. I was gonna say it's like I feel like Top Gun Maverick's the only other movie this year that's gotten an A plus. I'll double well, check so, that, yeah. but yeah, I said yeah, it in yeah. kind of wordy way, but well, yeah, I, think, I think I think. The only movies that have gotten an A-plus have been <laughs> blockbusters. I mean, most of the time, that tends to be what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, it is Usually. encouraging as far as, like, you know, people... I mean, it seems like res- the audiences are responding to the film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which is encouraging. That is, I think, what these movies tend to be, you know, that or tend to be geared toward, right? Um, but yeah, Woman King, Top Gun Maverick, they're the only two movies of the year so far that have gotten an A-plus. Uh, last year, there were quite a few more. Um at least by this time in the year. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, American Underdog, Sing 2, Spider-Man No Way Home, Show Me the Father, and Summer of Soul. Which, Show Me the Father, I don't even know what that is. So that's... Yeah, what's American Underdogs? American Underdog? We didn't... We, I know we didn't talk about it, but that was that uh, sports movie. with. Uh, oh, Kurt is that the Warner. one Zachary Levi was in? Uh, yeah, yeah. Zachary... I, I, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's I think about those... Warner, and it's about... Um, how he like won the Super Bowl? Like which Super Bowl was it? Thirty four. I have to double check. He's like a guy like worked at a grocery store or something. And he's right? Like, you yeah, should he play football. Yeah, he's like I can't play football. <laughs> hey, got I, see, I mean, the, yeah, I saw the trailer for that. That is one of those movies. That it's like the audience that comes out for it got exactly what they wanted. <laughs> I mean, that's the case with Talking Maverick too, isn't it? Um, he prayed his way to the Super Bowl. That's all I assume. I assume it's religious. I don't know. And an A-plus cinema score. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dennis Quaid is in it too, right? So like, you Is know. he? Okay. I think so. All right. So you don't know what the Rotten Tomatoes score is for The Woman King. We have 136 uh, reviews. Sort kind of. Of. Oh, no. Well, hang on, hang on. I didn't see the exact score, but I was looking at the Wikipedia uh, for this. And I oh. very briefly, I saw it got 90 something. I didn't know. I don't, I don't know what the second part of it is. Okay. But I saw 90 something and I scrolled real fast because I, I was like, I don't want to be spoiled for the Rent Tomatoes game. Um, All right. But I, I I have 10 numbers to choose from. <laughs> uh, or yeah, nine you, numbers. Yeah, you Sorry, have nine to numbers. get it spot on. So. Uh, I'm going to say 94%. It is 10 numbers, though, because like 90 to 99, that's 10. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, yeah. Sorry. Math is um, not my strong suit. Wait, what was your guess? I already forgot. Sorry. It was 94%. 94%. Sorry, Will. It's not spot on, which means I'm not giving you no credit. 95. You were one off. One off would be impressive if you, if you didn't know it was in the 90s, but, you know, I don't know. You probably would have thought it was in the 90s anyway. But yeah, 95%. Very, very high. I mean, that's high for... Certainly a blockbuster of the year, uh, but most of them have been like the 80s this year or lower. Um, I think like both of the Marvels were like 70s, weren't they? Or I, mean, I think maybe Doctor Strange was 80s. I don't remember at this point. But uh, what about audience score? You have a thousand plus verified ratings. Where do you think audiences are on this one? I mean, you know, the cinema score. Uh, is that a hint uh, or is that going to throw you off? Yeah, this one's going to be an honest to goodness guess because I have no idea. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say 84%. So your guess is 84? Yeah. No. Nah. Much much higher, ninety nine percent. I was kind of worried that you know, Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score has a bad history of, let's say, people with uh, with not the best faith takes <laughs> yeah. can come in and kind of tamper with the score. If you know what I I'm, mean, I'm looking right now at uh, just for the critic score. There are only seven negative reviews at the time of this recording, and only two of those are from like 
well-known outlets. Uh, that would be Wall Street Journal and Slant Magazine. The rest are, I, I have no idea like what these outlets are. I don't think I've seen any of them ever. Uh, I mean, I guess I've seen fat guys at the movies, but just through Rotten Tomatoes. That is one of them. And in general, maybe. I'm sure you've seen a portly guy at the movies before. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> certainly hope I have. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is universally loved by basically everybody else. There you go. Uh, okay, but what about Letterboxd? We have 8.6 thousand watches logged on Letterboxd as we record this. Not a ton um, for a blockbuster, that's for sure. Usually we see way higher, uh, at least double that. But uh, yeah, what do you think the average rating is from 0 to 5? For Letterboxd, you said? That's right. Um, 3.8? A little higher, 4.0. Nice. Yeah, not your best week, but, you know, you made a go of it. 